0: Log Talk Radio. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Callan Sampede is brought to you by the new web series, Dummy. Simply have to go to youtube.com and search Dummy the Web Series to subscribe to the channel to get the latest episodes of this new inventive web series written, starring, and directed by, that's right, all of those things, by our buddy Joe Dallow, and also starring Izzy Diaz. They're very funny. Go check it out. That's Dummy the Web Series on YouTube. All right, time for ready to unload with Cal and Sam, Pete, number 198, Nice. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen.
1: (laughs) We're tonight's entertainment. Hold the phone. Hey, brother. This is serious. Serious. We could make you delirious.
0: Delirious. Just a bit outside. Just got to stop, man. We keep having the same conversation. Are just two away from 200, two honey, two bills, 200 pounds, not pounds, baby, episodes. Yes, yeah, we're two away, not tonight, two episodes from now. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro, also known as San Pete, coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and Manhattan, New York, the big city, New York, New York, the city so nice. They named it twice. It's right on Loaded with Gallon Stampede. Hi. New York Sports Talk Podcast. Talking New York sports nice. It's not a big deal. It's nice. It's like you have cookies nice. You have coffee nice. Yeah, you talk sports nice. It's okay. No fighting. Five for fighting. Terrible band. <laughs> with a great name. Um, hi. Welcome to the program. We have a huge one for you. I promised you that. Let's just fade out the old intro music here. Let's fade out the intro music and fading. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Um, We have a ton tonight. We have a great podcast planned. We're streaming. We're recording. It is Wednesday night, which makes this a special episode. What's special about it? It's not Thursday. We usually stream and record the show on Thursday nights. It's a Wednesday. You know why? You want to know the why? I'll tell you the why. Because the New York Jets play tomorrow night on Thursday night football. And the New York Islanders play tomorrow night on Thursday night against the San Jose Sharks. So Cal and I decided, you know what? Let's do the show on Wednesday night. It's not that big a deal. I checked in with my planning committee, which of course, it's a bill. And then it has to be written up and it has to get lobbyists to support it. And it has to go to committee and it's quite a process. Uh, But it was approved. I was rubber-stamped, which was nice. Cal also with a four-body legislative structure. Really very complicated. I think the dog has a vote. Very complicated. He took it to his people, and here we are. The bishop has to work. We might not have very much much Bishop Big Donut tonight. Uh, Maybe, hopefully, we'll have him for the fun load. Apparently, his boss is there. He works nights. Nobody really knows what he does. Something about audio and ESPN and mopping and World's Strongest Man and I don't know. There's a lot that goes on. He's either a janitor or a sound engineer. Not sure. He's either the night janitor. (laughs) Like Schneider, like a night version of Schneider with the t-shirt and the key ring, walking around with a bad mustache. Hey, Mrs. R. That sort of thing. Or he's a sound engineer for a uh, high-powered uh, production company. So anyway, uh, we have a great show. We, have, um, we are through the roof to have this guy joining us tonight. Through the roof? Why so much? Uh, we're excited to have uh, Dominic Jansky from LighthouseHockey.com, the preeminent Islander website, Islander blog. There's two. There's, there's uh, Islanders Point Blank and there's Lighthouse Hockey. Uh, which is part of the SB Nation uh, series, uh, or what, compendium? No, that's not right. Collection of blogs. Anyway, uh, he's the lead blogger there, the blogger bossy, as he's called. And uh, we're super excited to have him on the show. He's going to be calling in in about 15 minutes. We're going to talk about the Islanders. We're going to talk about the NHL. Cal and I have been wanting to do an Islander show like this for five years. And yes, they're only 3-0, and yes, they haven't and won anything yet. The dream has come true. <laughs> we can, in good conscience, do an Islander-type show tonight and talk New York Islanders hockey. But we're going to talk about the NHL as well, and he's also an admitted and unabashed NHL fan bigamist. Because he's also a huge fan of the St. Louis Blues. How does this happen? We're going to find out. Uh, okay, so let's bring in the co-host of the program. Um, let's bring him in he's been here the whole time literally the whole time we're on uh the chat video chat interface uvu ain't seen a dime from those people 3 years haven't seen a dime uh he's the uh yin to my yang he's the uh the he's really the trache. i feel like i'm i guess i'm the trache. i'm the brian trots he's the bossy he's the sniper I set it up, he finds the back of the twine. So that makes me 19, him 22. He's got a little Dave Longevin in him, though. <laughs> and maybe a little Anders Caller, I don't know. He's Mr. Brian Calniva Capino Caliente. Hi, Brian.
2: Hi, Steve. Hey, but that's it. Well, I, I, I've been sitting over here for seven minutes waiting to come in.
0: <laughs> oh, should we do this? Yes.
2: Your intro music. Good evening, folks. I have arrived. Hello, friends.
1: <laughs> it's
2: silly. It's just silly. It's Silly because it's ironic. I'm nowhere near regal. Now, nor do you, nor are we at the Kemper Open. <laughs> <laughs> it's very little. Uh, news. Sponsored by Bayer. Yes.
0: Uh, Bishop Big Donut, our producer, uh, wrote that fanfare for the common cow, mm. and that's that's a little teaser of what I might have put together as an intro for Mister Jansky from LighthouseHockey.com. dot com. How are you, buddy?
2: Good, I'm good.
0: Wh- Wednesday night, are, we're going on short rest here. Are you okay?
2: Yeah, it's fine. Um, we're on a pitch count, so <laughs> we just gotta we gotta. We gotta pace ourselves tonight, but yep, I'm I'm, I'm super excited to have uh, to have Dominic from Lighthouse Hockey on with us.
0: I had a very good uh, bullpen, and I feel I feel pretty good going on short rest. We are obviously we need to bring this puppy in at you know an hour fifteen, hour twenty. This can't be a hundred and thirty seven pitch, nine inning
2: extravaganza. No, no, we've got a we've got a lot of great stuff coming up that we need to pace ourselves for. So tonight is episode one ninety eight. As you mentioned, at the top. I did. And uh, that's a lot of miles on these arms. Yep. That's
0: the arm has an odometer, my friend.
2: <laughs> it's not limitless. Yep. Um, it's
0: good to see you, though, man.
2: Yeah, well, listen. Right back at you, because it's Wednesday night, and it's a little weird.
0: It is a little weird.
2: You know, it. it I've always said... That the worst feeling in the world, I have my, my theory of Tuesday being the worst day of the week. Yes. I've, expl- I've explained that, right? But not in like four years. So okay. go ahead. Bring it back. Well, I, obviously Monday's Monday. In fact, I've forgotten it. Monday is Monday. You go into it knowing it's Monday and it's going to suck.
0: That's right, Garfield. Just you ask don't, you, Garfield. You do
2: like them. Right. Um, Bobby, I'll, skip to, I'll skip Tuesday for now because I'm going to get back to that. You can go back to Tuesday. Wednesday is the hump day, so you've got like the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, all right, I got half of the week done, half of the week coming up, I'm in good shape. Thursday's not so bad, because it's almost the end of the week. You got most of the week in the rearview mirror, and you just got to get through Thursday to get to Friday, and everybody loves Friday, right? Everybody does. Everybody loves well, Friday. Well,
0: this is, this is America, right?
2: TGI Friday.
0: Yeah, it's not called TGI Tuesday. Not T-G-I-T.
2: Which brings me back to Tuesday. Tuesday, by the time you get to Tuesday, or Tuesday, as it were, Tuesday, (laughs) you figure like around 11 o'clock Tuesday morning, you're exhausted. You feel like you've worked an entire week by that point because you had a big Monday, a tough Tuesday morning. For all the people that were out on Monday, they come in on Tuesday. Now you got all this work to do Tuesday morning. The next thing you know, it's like noon on Tuesday, and you still got the lion's share of the week ahead of you at that point. Right. And you already feel like you've worked a whole week. Sure. So for my money, Tuesday is the worst day of the week. Now, where I was going with this is on a Tuesday Yes. when you think it's a Wednesday. Oh, that's the worst. And then you realize, oh, no, it's only Tuesday. So you would
0: rewrite the song, I don't like Tuesdays. I want to sh- shoot, oot, right. oot, 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 the whole day down.
2: And I just told you why.
0: That would be the reason, in
2: fantastic detail. And I
0: cannot agree more. I No, I mean, I couldn't. I'm not legally allowed to agree any further than I do.
2: I have to tell you, it's an underrated thing, because most people will, what's, what's the worst day of the week? Oh, Monday. Monday sucks, man. It's not Monday. It's Tuesday. And then I explain why. <laughs> if you think it's Monday, wake up. Then you're, you're doing bad days of the week wrong. <laughs> doing, you're doing your week wrong. <laughs> it's Tuesday. For those of you who don't
0: know, Cal and I have a huge problem with getting yelled at on various forms of social media, whether it be Twitter or Facebook or even sports talk radio here in New York, like WFAN, where the host will tell us, if you're doing X Y Z, you're doing it wrong. Or wake up, use your noodle. If
2: you, well, that's exclusively Francesa. That's true. <laughs> Nothing to be told to use my noodle. Yeah, I, I'm fine, really. Come on, I'm, I'm using it.
0: And if you think that the Islanders are going to do this, wake up. Okay, I'm awake. I felt pretty good about it. Hey, we have the Bishop for like, like. Minutes? Can we just yeah. bring him in? No, we, no. We, no, 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 no time right. for him.
2: All right. Wow. So going back to what I was saying, when <laughs> so I was, was throwing, I was we can bring him in in a second, but I was all thrown off today sure. because it's Wednesday. We have a show tonight. I kept thinking it was Thursday. Sure. Thinking, oh, I only got one more day in the week. Now. Now. Ah. Ah. can
0: you Can you do that like D from? I can't, Uh, but my wife my wife can. We were we were taken aback by the absolute this is a good time to bring in the bitch. Bring him in. We were we were taken aback by the absolutely perfect Mabel from what's happening that you did last week, Cal. You dropped an instant impression of Mabel King. That was that was right, Peege? I mean it was
1: I had no idea that was in his bag of tricks. I was so
0: (laughs) impressed. Hi, PJ.
1: Hi everybody.
0: Roger. Give me your bounce. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. It was so perfect.
1: That's you my know, next I've band been name. to I've been to exactly three parties where Cal was also in attendance. And on all three occasions he cornered me and said Let me tell you about the worst day of the week. <laughs> you think Monday's the worst day of the week? This is his bread and butter right there, Tuesdays. You're, you're doing it wrong.
2: I love you. I like. I have several uh, copies of the pamphlet. I always, Whenever I see PJ, I always pretend like I've never had this conversation with him either. As if we've never discussed it before. Have no. I told you about know, PJ? How are
1: you doing, PJ? Because it's usually a weekend. You having a good weekend? Yeah. Right. You know what I'm not looking forward to? Oh jeez. What what are what are you looking forward to? <laughs> Tuesday. Oh, really? Why? <laughs> and well, then we go
2: <laughs> And then and then and then,
0: and then, and then it happens and away we go. Dun, 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 dun. Cool. I
2: don't like Tuesdays and
0: he doesn't like I don't like we must. Hey, what's the absolutely... most expensive
1: thing you've ever broken?
0: have ever broken. What?
1: Yeah. Dear. What's the most expensive thing you? I ruined two expensive things today. I was wondering if uh,
0: are
2: you, are if you, you could for tell me real friend? quick. No. A car.
0: You ruined a car.
2: I mean, yeah. did you? Would you let it? a car.
0: You, that's an accident, though. You didn't do it on. I, I mean, but I ruined it. You did ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, like, did you let the oil run out and it seized? You know, like the engine seized, because I may or may that not would, have been guilty of that.
1: That would be a big one. <laughs>
2: yeah. What did you break, PJ?
0: What did you do, well, PJ?
2: What part have you done? One,
1: Part one was I was cleaning the bathroom, as I uh, am known to do. And uh, uh, I knocked my uh, new iPhone into the toilet. So that put me in a really good mood. And I fished it out of the toilet and uh, brought it down the hallway to... Uh, some people say you should stick it in a bowl of rice to dry it out. That's correct. I've heard that. So, I'm, it look- work? so I'm looking for the rice, and uh, oh, I God. noticed that my daughter's not doing her homework yet.
2: Wait, you broke your daughter? <laughs>
1: so I start yelling at her to get away from my laptop and go do your bleeping, bleeping homework... And I yelled at, at her so bad, I scared her, so she like jumped. And you you it know how on a laptop, laptop at you? Yeah, you know how the laptop has that like breakaway power cord so that it it won't like fly around. That that mechanism didn't work, and her foot got caught on the wire, and she basically just propelled my laptop about fifteen feet. Across the room,
2: well, I have to tell so you, in, this,
1: in the span of ninety seconds, I lost all my electronics. Until
2: <laughs> and now I'm on a landline ago, phone. I thought it was still your daughter. We right. <laughs> were telling that story
0: that you broke your daughter.
2: Yes.
0: Which is very Didn't. expensive. Yeah. Didn't was the was the Benny Hill theme music playing in the background as all this is going on?
1: Sax, yes, was was figuring prominently.
0: Hey, Peach Dominic uh, Jansky from Lighthouse Hockey is on the other line. Please go pick it up. I can't. What did oh, I just say? You can't. Okay, you can't. You don't I don't have this. any right. electronics. Now he's yelling. All right, Gilbert yeah, Godfrey. Take old. it easy. Take it easy, Gilbert Godfrey. Just relax. I'll take care of the All class. right,
1: but put me put me on hold and go have your very nice conversation with the very nice man, and then think I, about all the things that you've broken.
0: I don't. I what? You could do it. Okay. Uh thanks beach. Uh so let's go ahead. All right, here it is. <laughs> Edmonton, Alberta, WOR-TV brings you the matchup that we've been waiting for. The New York Islanders. And Dominic Jansky from LighthouseHockey.com. Hi, Dom. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good. I Look, you'll have to excuse me. Over the last five years that we've been doing this program, I have been looking for any excuse to play <laughs> Fanfare for the Common Man, also known as the intro on WOR for New York Islanders hockey in the early eighties and I I'm not gonna lie to you, Dominic, I am throwing that out there as a bit of a, a bit of a test to see where we park our cars in terms of Islander no, I'm not testing you at all. Hi, <laughs> welcome uh welcome to the show. I'm uh Sam Pete. Uh Cal is here with us as well and um really thanks for taking the time.
3: My pleasure and I'm uh honored with the uh the uh, audio intro.
0: Yeah, nothing's really better at all than Jiggs McDonald. We we can talk yeah. about we can talk about um, uh, some of this later because um, I I I don't know your age or anything like that. We've been reading you for a long time on Lighthouse Hockey, but um, you know <laughs> there are certain announcers that are completely part of your childhood and your upbringing, and uh, you know you're you're kind you kind of have them on recall in your head. And I, I'll, I'll find myself saying numbers like Bob Murphy sometimes for the Mets, or Cal will say something and sound just like Jiggs McDonald, or you know Cal will say like Cal will say save and abute or something like that, you know, randomly out of nowhere, and yeah. you in, you instantly have that that sort of uh, th- that identical recall from your youth.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> I was just talking about that uh, the other day when I heard. Uh... Because Jigs McDonald, and then I don't know if you guys know Dan Kelly, who uh, he he did the blues, but he was also yep. on a lot of national broadcasts like Jiggs was. So I
0: have a I have a great uh, story for you about Dan Kelly. Uh, right. Should we do that now? Should we do that now? It's <laughs>
3: up to you. Whatever you want. <laughs>
0: Well, no, I want to. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I want to. We'll get to that. I have a tremendous story okay. about Dan Kelly, um, and also a great story about Al Arbor that I think you're really gonna like. But um, let's let's start there because how long have you been the head blogger at uh, Lighthouse, uh, Lighthouse Hockey Dom? Um, let's.
3: I I launched it in 2008.
0: So, okay. So you uh, were the launcher.
3: Yeah, yeah. I found it basically. Yeah, that's. It's on uh, SB Nation, which has really grown since then. Um, I think, you know, I had done, I followed some sites that were already on there and noticed they didn't have many hockey sites, and I thought, I think I want to do the Islanders site. Uh, right. So I just kind of approached them and went from there.
0: Nice. We're gonna get uh, uh, in a little bit. We're gonna get more towards your uh, your origin story as an Islander right. fan, and because uh, we we sort of find that thing fascinating. Or that kind of uh, that kind of thing fascinating, but I, I I do want to jump right into the team and talk about what's going on uh, currently with this uh, current group this season. Obviously, it's only three games in um, but before I do that, I just want to set the stage a little bit with your site and how it differs, I think, uh, from a lot of the fan sites that I've read uh, it's It's a nice balance between analytics and uh, you know, uh, trusting your eyes and what you see on the ice and stuff, and as I and and I, I bring it up because it's important because one of the best things about your site is are, are the commenters.
3: Yeah, for sure.
0: Has it been I, tough it, to keep that balance,
2: or
3: it, it has been tough as the site's gotten bigger and as the team, you know, there'll be different waves uh, with the team, like the playoff appearance and. And this year, certainly, where we get, you know, an influx of new commenters. But um, I think, you know, it's – yeah, we've tried to approach that. Because, honestly, when I started it, you know, I'm I'm from far away. I just wanted a place uh, to talk about the Islanders with, with people no matter where they were. And so uh, I've tried to make it inclusive and you know, whether you're more stat-inclined or, you know, more traditional. You know, I know when I see it or whatever, just – Uh, I think it's more fun when there's, you know, kind of respectful debate. And I think in my experience, you know, I've heard great insights from people who really study numbers and great insights from people who've just watched hockey all their lives and and they have certain, you know, senses about players or or people that, you know, I wouldn't think of. So I kind of like just setting the the stage and then, you know, learning or or thinking about all the different kinds of opinions that that people share.
2: You know, one of the big things, And Dominic, this is this is Cal. One of the big things in baseball right now is the uh, is the war between the traditionalists and the advanced metric guys. Are you seeing that kind of battle in hockey now as as hockey advanced metrics are starting to become a little bit more prominent or or do you see more of a kind of each side can see the other's perspective a little bit better?
3: I you know that that kind of battle has definitely been there in hockey. I think it might be calming down because uh, more analytics have kind of gotten acceptance on you know television broadcasts and stuff. But I also think that one people sort of learned from uh, not the mistakes but just the scars and battle wounds from the baseball battle. <laughs> and so I think you have a lot of people who are already coming in who already sort of realized, like, okay, one of the things that turns people off is sort of the arrogance about, you know, this stat is absolutely determinant when, you know, you know that that's not necessarily the case or it doesn't tell the whole picture. Um, And I think the second part of that is related to that. The the hockey stats are still kind of well behind baseball. You know, part of it's probably the the free-flowing nature of the game and all that. But just, you know, you can't isolate the situations and the data points as well. So there's a lot, I think, more room for sort of, Collaboration between you know the the sort of stereotypical eyes and the and the data you know points of view.
0: Yeah, and I also think that much like baseball, because advanced metrics uh, in in terms of hockey seem to be a bit in their infancy. I mean, they've been around for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years even, um, but they they are still in their infancy as far as acceptance in terms of how teams are actually being built. You know, we know now that teams yeah. use them. We know that, uh, that certain general managers use them quite well. Uh, you know, the, the Islanders probably use them, um, you know. But the idea being I, – I love this idea that advanced metrics in baseball were, you know, kind of started by Billy Bean trying to find market inefficiencies or market irregularities uh, to make up for having a low payroll and stuff like that. And you would think, like, a team like the Islanders <laughs> – would, you know, would, be on, would be on board with that from a very early spot because you're trying to find value where there wasn't maybe perceived value before. So, uh, but I think your point about learning from the scars of baseball is fantastically made because, and Cal and I have been doing this show for a long time, and we neither one of us is really Sabre Metrics guys. Cal's not at all. Um, I am, I dabble, but only in in the, in terms of like seeing their value to complete the picture, not as the picture. Yeah. And and I and I think hockey maybe can learn a little bit from baseball because I mean, man, we're on some baseball sites sometimes, and <laughs> gee, gee whiz, like okay, t- like you you'd think you insulted somebody's grandmother, like okay, look, <laughs> I know you're very you're very personal about Bobip. I just I don't want to. <laughs> Didn't say anything about your mom, dude. Like, calm down. Um, so, getting, getting, uh, so, getting into that, setting the table there, and getting into this current Islander team. Look, we're all big fans of this team. We've been fans for a really long time. We've been through a number of number numbers too small of a number of disappointing <laughs> seasons with this team and rebuilds. And uh, Cal and I tend to be Garth. I wouldn't say apologists but we've been way on the giving him the benefit of the doubt over the past 5 or 6 years in terms of what he's trying to do and having sympathy for what he's trying to do uh, because it's not easy to bring free agents into that building and it's not easy to um, you know uh, draft players, keep them here, try to add talent etc etc, you know, build the organization with very little support in the infrastructure. So, yeah. my first que- my first question is 3 games in, obviously the two huge trades the week before the season. Uh how did you feel about the job that Garth did coming into this season?
3: Um you know, I I thought he did fantastic. Um you know, it has to be his best off-season um so far and uh I I think and that was before those those two late trades. I mean, I honestly, you know, I thought like, yeah, if they can upgrade on D that would be good, but I, I, I think I'm one of the maybe in the minority where I sort of liked their defense already. Just you know, some of it's unproven, but uh, the big in the big risks to me were injuries, and of course, you know, that happened. Don and Wisniewski were were hurt right at the beginning, but I just like that you know he's kind of been setting the table for a run like this. And I think maybe, you know, his top targets on the first day of free agency he still didn't get, which is something that's happened, you know, in the past. But this time, you know, he was able to add some some more some sort of mid-level depth on day one. And then the, Gra- the Grabowski and Kuhlman things, you know, coming after adding hot, uh, Halak, I mean, he just, you know, he addressed needs there. He built depth where – where all of a sudden, you know, we're up in arms because Anders Lee isn't, you know, with the team and you know, we're wondering, you know, where's Michael Gravner going to fit when he gets back and it's just it's all of a sudden you have this luxury of where uh, you know, a couple injuries does not, you know, totally cut the knees out from this team and uh yeah, I mean, it, it's just I I can't really think of, of a mistake he made this summer and he really he probably went after uh more than he needed to. So I I guess that's why, you know, everybody's excited right now.
2: Now, obviously, they needed to improve the team after last year, but do you think that the level of aggressiveness, I guess, that he showed in this off season was directly a result of the way that they played last year? Like, did was he making up for being too conservative last year? I think
3: probably, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, look, they've had good prospects coming, and we've all known that, and you just, you never know when, Well, one, you don't know if the prospects are for sure going to be to turn out what, you know, you thought they were on draft day. Like already, you know, Brock Nelson looks like, you know, a 30th overall pick. He looks like someone more promising than Strom, who's, you know, fifth overall and who also looks really promising. But you just don't know. And so I think, you know, with them sticking to a budget and with them kind of going for these, you know, don't overpay for things that will hurt you. It's it's been sort of waiting for this time when the the young kids are helping out along with their free agent additions and and so everything didn't pan out last year. This year he made sure where okay even if even if the kids don't make it or don't deliver on what we think, we've got coverage for it and I I think that's probably you know was the response. I think the goaltending too they they know they they tried to ride. Uh, the Nabokov train too long. So, you know, I think that's why he went even before free agency opened to go after Halak. So, yeah, I, I would say it had to be a, a response to the disappointment from the previous season.
2: And you brought up a good point about about um, kind of not overpaying. And it felt like that Saturday two weeks ago when, when the Boychuk and Letty trades came down, like one right after another, it felt like, Garth has kind of been waiting seven years for that one afternoon where he yeah. could just look around the league with this this wallet of cash and say, "Okay, you need cash. You got to get rid of somebody. Who, who do you got? Who do you?" And he just he was in a position that no other team was in, quite frankly, and he was able to pick off two top defensemen and not give up a lot.
3: Yeah, it, it's, I mean, and, and pull the trigger at the same time, which I I suspect that. Um, you know, I suspect he snuck through and, and took other teams by surprise because I, it, you saw a lot of leaks afterward about other teams that could have used one of those guys, saying, "Oh, we, you know, we made bids for it too," and I think that was the response to the fact, you know, these other teams were probably trying to wait Chicago and Boston out, think they'll get one or the other, and all of a sudden, Snow's pulling the trigger, you know, within five minutes of each other, and yeah, it's like that. You know, he used to say you know, we view our cap space as an asset and I always agreed with that, but then when push came to shove, it became a lot more difficult to shake free some of these these uh these uh guys from the teams that were in cap trouble. They always seemed to find a way around it. And I actually thought, you know, although I couldn't figure out how it was going to happen, I thought, you know, Chicago and Boston, they're probably gonna do something that, you know, nobody's gonna see coming at the end or there's gonna be an injury or they're gonna get out of this cap hell without having to shed a guy. And you know, it turns out they didn't, it went down to the wire. Snow was waiting and I mean <laughs> you know, it had this sort of godfather taking care I was of just gonna, uh, I was the family.
0: It was a I was I swear, I was just gonna say it was like a total godfather moment where like Garth yeah. is christening the kid and somewhere out there like <laughs> Ken Morrow is like whacking, you know, Taglia. Like it was it was a right. complete it was a complete settling of all family business. And there's Garth, you know, do you <laughs> renounce Satan and he's just standing there. <laughs> and they're making the trades. And, it and you know, he also uh, uh, took a beating last year. I mean, he's taken yeah. a beating for a long time as general manager of this team. And some of it, you know, some of it was... I've always felt it's over the top, the abuse that he took because of the situation, the unique situation that he's in as a general manager, but he took a beating last year between the Vanek trade and between, and then, you know, on draft night, just saying, I really don't give a crap what you guys think, and which was magnificent. Again, another, like, yeah. sort of, you know, I'm Keith Hernandez moment. Like, just right. you, know, like, you know, F all y'all. Um, you know, he sort of had that moment. But he really took a beating on the Vanek trade. And Cal and I, at the time when it went down, um, we're all in favor of it and understood the move. And, and also, and he sort of corroborated this later on when he actually did go on with Joe and Evan on WFAN, which was just fantastic because he owned them. Um, you know, and he basically said, that's what I have to do to sign a free agent. My best pitch to a free agent, this is obviously pre-moving to Brooklyn and whatnot, my best pitch is to have them play on the line with John Tavares for 70 games. I mean, that's the best thing I can do to woo somebody like Thomas Vanek. And we weren't going to sign Matt, uh, you know, Matt Molson back. And so I thought it was worth the risk, you know, and, you know, we, we sort of understood that. So it was nice to see Garth after really getting run through it and, and and by this fan base. And again, we never sort of, shouldn't say we never, but it's, it's difficult to judge a fan base that's been so downtrodden for such a long time. I mean, we're both yep. Nets and Jets fans, so we we understand <laughs> from downtrodden fan bases. But when a fan base becomes sort of woe is me and woe is us and, you know, uh, this sort of oh the pain kind of feeling that uh, some of the Islander fan base has. It's like, you know, I understand putting the guy through the ringer, but let's let's take it easy. So it was nice to see him you know, have that kind of offseason. That being said, the way he set the team, you said something, uh, Dominic, that I wanted... To, <laughs> I had to point out, Cal and I uh, were, were... I had to wait to watch the Ranger game the other... Uh, last night, put the kids to bed, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then I watched it DVR'd without, without of course, knowing the score. And uh, Cal had already watched it. There was a point where they had the four-on-three, uh, the four-on-three power play for a couple minutes there, and he had... Uh, He had Brock, Nelson, Oposo, Tavares, and Strom on the ice at the same time. And, like, somewhere Garth just, like, the grin just could, you know, just probably could not be big enough to have these four first-round pick forwards just buzzing, like, all over the place. And three of them had goals. The other one had two assists. Like, that's, that's the night where you're like, you know what? take it up you know like <laughs>
3: right right it's yeah all the things we have been talking about are, are finally coming yep. coming to fruition
0: what have you what have you been impressed with through the three games so far obviously last night's effort was a sloppy one and a very different kind of win for them uh getting really dominated especially in the second period and then having their goaltender keep them in a game um yeah. uh what have you been impressed with so far dominic
3: um, I mean, I'm impressed with how quickly all these new additions have been integrated, and how just how the contribution how the contributions have been spread out uh, so well. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it's three games and, and everything, but it's just it's kind of for for a team that hasn't given you know it don't look like they're clicking on all cylinders just yet. You just sort of see it's like okay, we but we have. Guys on every line now that can contribute. You know, I, I was thinking the other night, like in in frustrating times, people are saying, "Oh, we need a difference maker." We, you know, and of course you have one in in Tavares, but now we have all these little ones. Like Coolman is this guy that you know nobody was raving about him becoming a free agent, but he's one of those. The, the NHL is filled with these like quietly effective players who are just smart, who who do the right thing and. Who, who just through consistency and doing it over and over, they make good things happen. And so, like, his his forecheck and interception with his foot and then perfect pass to the guy he's not normally lining up at center with but in the slot, you know, gets this key tying goal late in the, in the second. And it's just, it, it feels like, okay, the team has a bunch of new additions, they all know how to play hockey, and those are the kind of things that we can expect more often. You know, even on a night when, the team's not all there, they're still in it because Halak is there, because, you know, Boychuk got a power play goal and because Kuhlman makes Kuhl makes this nice play there. So it's just, um, it, it, I guess, you know, I was I was excited by Letty and Boychuk and, and the other guys, but I wasn't expecting to, to see the dividends so quickly and to feel like, you know, to have them sort of instill confidence so, so immediately.
2: You know, one of the things, I mentioned it before about Garth Snow kind of, uh, coming up empty last off season, and then he made up for it this year. Uh, you always want a team, especially a team that's young and struggles and is growing, to learn from past experiences or learn from mistakes. Or and one of the things I'm seeing out of this team, and again, it's three. I got to be careful to stay measured. It's three games, but right. one of the things I'm seeing is this. This. In, uh, aggressiveness late in the game or if they get a lead they stay on the puck you know and too yeah. often last year you know the stat the blowing the two goal lead in the third period they blew all those games i'd like to think that maybe they did learn something from that and now they know how to play in those situations what do you have you seen anything that that would make you think that this year
3: yeah i think so bits and pieces you know but i've i've been wondering that too. And even last night, like they, you know, they kept the foot down on the throttle and they, you know, they had a two man four check even after, you know, getting the lead in the third. Um, And yeah, it looks like, you know, there's just a a little bit more kind of buy-in to what needs to happen. I, I, you know, Capuano doesn't range too widely in his post-game comments, but it seemed like he was talking (laughs) about some of that as well, that, you know, he's, He's like, there's a, a, a different feeling in the room this year. Um, I think somebody had quotes from Hickey saying, you know, yeah, there's just more buy-in, uh, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Capuano's talking about accountability, within which is a buzzword he's always using, but he, he, he sounded like he really believes, okay, the players are getting on each other now at their weak points rather than, you know, us having to come in and say the same old coaching cliches each time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think the signs are there, you know.
2: What was great about the postgame last night, though, was the very first question. You, you come off of a big win at the Garden. You've scored six goals against the Rangers, four third-period goals. How would you grade your team? And just with deadpan face, he's like, I don't know, C+. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it wasn't a cliche-type understating of it. He really believed that this was a flawed game last night, and they were lucky yeah. to, to still be in it in the third period, and then, and then they, they took off.
3: Yeah, he's probably been dreaming of when he can, you know, come out of a 6-3 win at the Garden and say, like, yeah, we kind of sucked. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. The, the great
0: thing about uh, Cappy, uh, or Ham Capuano, as we often call him on the show, is that, uh, and Cal and I have often said it, is that he's right out of central casting. I mean, he really is. Yeah. It's like we were making a movie about a under-budgeted, you know, like sort of – NHL team, the Helena uh, Helena Handbaskets, which is one of Cal's favorite fictional teams. Um, you know, he would definitely, he would be the Boston coach that you, you know, the New England hockey coach with the bad hair. Right. Like we upgraded so many places this year and, and not his hair so much. Like apparently he's still <laughs> getting a cut on Hempstead Turnpike for like $12. And but but here's the thing, and, and very seriously about Capuano, Cal and I have been very um, vocal in our, uh, how shall we say, <laughs> in his his tenure, about how uh-huh. he's had ten, how he's had tenure. Uh, yeah. And and to me, actually, after the Letty and Chuck, uh settling of all family business, he was the biggest question mark. So to me, after, that, after those trades were made, setting the season, last Friday I was having a conversation with a Ranger fan, which was fun. And, um, and I was saying I, I, I really think the team is, is, is poised to make a playoff run and, and, and make a serious playoff run, um, you know, seriously for positioning and seeding and whatnot. Um, and the coach is the biggest question mark to me. How do you, where do you stand on, uh, on Jack Capuano?
3: I I think that's true, Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, we probably won't find out until a playoff series because I think that's when the sort of the matchups and the in-game adjustments, you know, from from period to period and from game to game, you know, really happen and test like whether a coach has something over on uh, his opponent. But I've, you know, I've been kind of not on the fence with him, but he's just, you know, I he's definitely done things I don't like. (laughs) But he's also had a roster that, you know, I don't know how many coaches could have done better with. And I I do know, you know, I I follow the Blues a lot. I follow some other teams, you know, closely. And I've noticed, like, even the coaches that are seen as the most brilliant coaches in the league and the ones who are fired but are, you know, quote, real NHL coaches, but they got fired because all their guys turned on them you know, it, it, I've seen them do other things. Not always the same things, but I've seen them do things that drive fans nuts. And and where I'm at, you know, at the point where it's like, I, you know, I disagree with Joel Quenville, I disagree with Ken Hitchcock, and even Mike Babcock on how they do things. Differences, they've had good rosters and gotten results, you know. We haven't seen Capuano have that yet. And one thing that honestly impresses me is, even though he has special status in this organization, if if his players hated him or could not stand him, which is often the case when a team's been mostly losing for four seasons, there's no way he'd still be here. So, I mean, I'm honestly impressed. I think, as far as the sort of leader of men and manager of the locker room, he, I think he has something that that has managed to, you know, keep it where these guys still believe in. And I mean, we satirize him on the site all the time. We have a guy who makes up scripts about, you know, his wacky, you know, locker room speeches as we yeah. like to imagine, but. <laughs> But I mean they has something. The players don't hate him, you know. <laughs> so I I don't know. I'm 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 ready to see him really get tested uh and and I you know, then I'll have a stronger opinion on whether they need to upgrade <laughs> for sure or not.
2: I got a I just got a couple of quick hits on on the team on the ice right now. Uh Calvin Dehan is due to come back. Uh he's been injured. He's probably ready to play any any day now. Who uh who's the guy that's going to sit in Dehan's uh, when DeHaan comes back?
3: I bet it's Reinhardt, but, uh, you know, it, it yeah. should probably be Brian Straight. But, I, but you know, Viznowski, I bet it's
2: Reinhardt. Be, and Viznovsky shouldn't be too far behind, right?
3: Yeah, you wouldn't think, but, yeah, you never know there.
2: Um, the other thing that we talk about a lot is uh, – a lot, three games. Uh, Corey Conacher on the first line. We feel he might be a little miscast. What do you think yeah. about him there? Yeah, I
3: think so. I think that's a, a sort of return to the to the rent a winger on the on the Tavares line that they've done in the past. Uh, I mean, I I think he gets a little bit of a a bad rap because of his size and stuff. I mean, he's a really feisty player and he's fast, and we saw that. Um, but I think you know he's not the long term solution. Um, maybe when Grabner comes back, they do something creative there. But um, for now, I don't think he's really hurting them. You know, it, it's not a black hole on the wing there.
2: And then, the, and then the last thing I have is we we've seen Locke We saw Chad Johnson in the home opener on Saturday night. What do you think the split's going to be going forward with those two? Do you think it's going to be like a like a sixty twenty four split, like a one and a two, or is it going to be more like a one and a one a where where Chad Johnson gets a lot of starts?
3: Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Can I split even? Uh, I'm thinking more like 55, 25 if my match is sure. right there. That's you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think Kalak sometimes, you know, his history is kind of 60 games is pushing it, so he'll probably pick up a nagging injury or something here or there.
0: Yeah, and it'll be great to have Johnson when he does. I mean, that's exactly. That's the other thing that Garth um, Snow did that, that was really admirable, and that was. Hey, I'm not just gonna go get one goaltender and put all our eggs in the Halak basket, um, yeah. which is which is the worst punk song ever. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go get an, an adequate backup who can who's above you know would be a starter for several NHL teams. Both guys 28, 29 years old, coming into their primes, um, and and or in their primes. And um, you know Chad Johnson, which I really wanted him to take number 85. Yeah. And if he had any sort of marketing savvy here in New York, he would have. Um, you know, he he is more than an adequate backup. I would love to see like a 50-32 split. Um, and the nice thing is you don't have to just play – Cal and I have been talking about this a lot. You don't have to just play Chad Johnson on like the second night of back-to-backs.
2: Or yeah. uh,
0: when you're on a West Coast trip and you've traveled all night and Halak plays the first game – and then you know you you have to play Chad Johnson the second game because you're exhausted from trial. like you can play him against anybody you can play him against teams in your own division he's he's more than an adequate backup he is i think it is like a 1 in 1a one with like i would love to see a 50 32 split i have a yeah. i have a line i have a line question because we've been going back and forth about this and when i say we i also mean uh, i have to uh, dominic throw my brother into this equation who is the the biggest we're huge islander fans. My brother is a huge islander fan, my older brother, and we of course grew up with the islanders and stuff um growing up on Long island and he is listening uh and he had a couple of questions he was like- a write in <laughs> so we'll 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 sit there and be watching a game, and the three of us will be you know in a chat room just going back and forth and talking to each other or whatever about what's going on and One of the things we've been discussing quite a bit, and I've seen it you know a little bit on your site uh and stuff is um. About who should go to that that wings because Conacher is as we as we said a placeholder right so um you know you, when Grabner is eventually healthy or Anders Lee forces their hand to for a call up or um i I have been saying that I want to see Brock Nelson on that line, that I want to see a first line of brock nelson j t and oposo um and then maybe uh you know putting um you know, Kuhlman, Grabo and, and Strom together on the second line and then having Grabner on that third line with, with Nielsen and Bailey, um, or Anders Lee on that line. Um but I've been I've been reprimanded uh by these two gentlemen. Um but my my thinking is I, I like that idea of an elite first line and there's enough secondary scoring guys like Kuliman, guys like Grabowski, um uh, you know, coming uh, coming in here are not, you know, PMB. They're not Regan. They're, these are real, genuine NHL forwards. And you would have a guy at that point with 30 goals on the third line, centering the third line. Now, Cal is
2: raising his hand, furiously. Well, because I, 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 I'm dying to get Dominic's opinion on it, but I want to throw my argument out. You've heard from the defense. That's right. Now, Now the prosecution <laughs> would like to... I'll, I'll like allow it. Very little leeway. This is where Dominic
0: needs to turn into, like, the cliché judge in a movie, and he's like, I'll allow it.
2: <laughs> right. Go on. No, but, but I want to I get his opinion on it, too. But my, my thinking is you keep that Nelson-Strom-Grabowski line together, which is showing some, some early chemistry, and you can pretty much slot anybody in with Tavares and Arposo. and now you run out two really good lines, and most nights with that second line, you're going to have an advantage over your opponent. And that's my, that's why I'm in favor of keeping Nelson with those two guys.
3: So I like <laughs> I like using Conacher until, until he kind of runs out of gas or until Grabner comes back. I, yeah, this isn't I, a
0: this is I, I will say in my defense this is not a change it now. This is yeah, a okay. You know, don't it's I, not broken, don't fix it. This is when Grabner is back or when Lee is a viable option when there's another yeah. forward there.
3: Right. Okay. I man, the thought of that line with Nelson on the wing is, you know, makes me salivate because it would just be such a, a dominant thing. And but I understand why they want to have Nelson at center. You know, he's that good. So he he's powerful as a as a another center too, but for me with with Grabowski and Franz Nielsen, you have two really good centers already. And so you kind of have that matchup advantage. So uh, you know, I, and so as, here's where I'm going to punt the question is, I would put either Nelson or Grabowski in that slot. And okay. so I know that that probably ruins both options because that breaks up, uh, you know, <laughs> the is. line right now. <laughs> but, I mean, I just – and I think this is the beauty of what their offseason was, is they've got yeah. all these movable there parts. You know, I don't think they can really go wrong here, you know. There it is. Right.
2: That's the best part about it because it's been how many years where you could make oh. w- one of, of two or three choices – and it's going to work out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's a magnificent problem to have, and it's and it's what I think Garth Snow has been trying to build for for several years, and he's finally gotten there. And oh, by the way, they got they have guys like Del Cole and Hosang, and, Hossang, and yeah. you know they they I mean they're they're very well positioned. Okay, so I want to I want to before we shift gears, and I do want to shift gears because have I got a story for you, um, and you in particular. Um. Uh, so they play San Jose tomorrow night. Cal has already said <laughs> he's you're, you. You punted this game, Cal. Like you're okay with no matter what happens.
2: I feel like they've been you know pedal to the metal for three games with emotion. This seems like a logical step back.
0: I I agree. It's a look. It's a long season, Dominic. How do you? and And we'd love to have you on again later as the season unfolds, and stuff, but right now as you're as you're seeing this season, is this a team that's fighting for a seven or an eight, or is this a team as Fran nielsen said Franz Nielsen said the other day, hey look we're we're not, we shouldn't be worrying about making the playoffs we should be worrying about our position in the playoffs are they that
3: i, I think they should be yeah, I think they so should <laughs> be thinking home ice advantage they should be getting you know what I guess if, in the metro, if that means you know, it's second place, or depends on you know, the wild card and stuff. But yeah, I, I think they they need to assume that playoffs are you know obviously it's not a given, but that that is you know the worst case scenario is getting a last seed in the playoffs, and they right. should really uh, they should be in the hunt for home ice for that first round at least.
0: Uh, yeah, I uh, Cal, you're you're there, right?
2: Um, I. I'm not going to be there until they get through November this year. Right. I just, the specter of November just looms. Yeah. Right yeah. now, as, as excited as I am, there's this, this cloud of November hanging over. And if they come through <laughs> the month, like I think they will this year. I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're, that they're not going to have another swoon in the month of November this year. But if you, if you get on the other side of Thanksgiving and they're still playing well, I, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape this year.
0: That's like a Nicholas Sparks book. Like Capuano's November, like it's just every every year. It's very dark. It's a very dark book. And can we get? Can we get? Uh, what's the name? James Marsden is in all those movies, right? Um right. Maybe he's, he's got to do something in the rain. It's always in the rain. I don't know why it's always raining. Um, so here's if you have another couple of minutes, Dominic, love to sure. ask you yeah. about this idea of. So you grew up in St. Louis, is that correct?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And did you go to Desmet or
3: <laughs> Uh no I didn't. I did go to their rival.
0: <laughs> Which is uh wait, wait, don't tell me don't um, tell me, uh Saint Ignatius. No, um
3: Close. Oh, or, well, sure. it's inspired uh Saint Louis sure, U it. High,
0: so. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Slew high SLU High. Right. Um, and uh I have uh I happened to uh I went to the University of Dayton in Ohio. Okay. Uh, yeah. In the early in the early '90s, and um, on my floor, uh, the first week. Well, my roommate was from St. Louis, um, and on my floor, uh, I played baseball there. And on my floor, there were a number of other athletes for other various teams, and uh, there were two guys uh, rooming together uh, named Steve Luby and Dan Kelly, <laughs> and uh, Dan, and they were from St. Louis as well. So they were real good friends with, uh, with my roommate. And um, they saw that I was a big Islander fan. I was an unabashed Islander fan at that time. Um, I was probably, uh, still had my Billy Smith, but I, which I have a Billy Smith signed plaque that I got at the Long Island Arena in 1981 oh, uh, when I was seven. And uh, it now hangs in my son's room. It was in every room I was in in college. And, um, you know, they saw that, and we started talking about stuff like that. And it turns out Dan Kelly is Dan Kelly's son. And um, so, yeah, I do know Dan Kelly. (laughs) But uh, I I, I actually, yeah, I actually uh, know his son, who uh, eventually went on to become the voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen Dan in years. Uh, We weren't, I won't. Pretend that we were overly friendly we we knew each other um he played hockey at at Dayton, and I think he went to dismet um yeah, that makes sense but um, yes, I do so you grew up with with Dan Kelly,
3: yeah, um yeah, I mean he was the you know the voice of of hockey in Canada, but also you know the the blues were lucky to have him as as their play by by play guy uh you know from their expansion year until he until he died in the late eighties Yeah, yep. Um, um, and so like, of course, I have all this childhood nostalgia hooked up with whenever I hear Dan Kelly or Jiggs' voice, you know, on these old recordings. And I was just explaining that to my wife the other night about like how, no, no, I think I, you know, there's just, it's really like wired to the core of my brain and everything I enjoyed as a kid, you know, just hearing those, those classic sounds. But
2: You know, and Dominic, we're, we're kind of fascinated by the idea of this sort of sports bigamy That you have going on, where you can be a big fan of both the Blues and the Islanders. It's hard for us here in New York because there's two of every team, right? So you can't you it's it's completely unacceptable to try to pull that off in New York, where you you could never get away. Like the people that try to pass themselves off as New York fans, well, I'm an Islander fan, but I'll root for the Rangers. It just doesn't work. Yeah, that one doesn't exist. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's the worst example. Yeah, but you, but you seem to have it set up really nicely because you, you're right. The Islanders and the Blues really never cross paths. They play each other once or twice a year. They, they'd have to play in the Stanley Cup in order to to really divide your your rooting interests. That yes, yeah. uh, talk about how how hard like. I guess the question is, do you root for one more than the other, or do you are you split right down the middle where you can divide your allegiance?
3: It's Well, you know, I think part of the thing, too, is really I only closely follow hockey and soccer. So while, like, most sports fans kind of have a capacity for all, you know, loyalties towards all kinds of teams, like, I just, you know, I don't really have a football team. I sort of have a baseball team by, you know, osmosis, but – you know it's it's almost like all my energy is able to uh to focus into these two teams and it's grown from childhood and they never competed with each other and any time I talk to fans of one team about the other they're they would like you know the response wasn't like ah oh, how can you like the, you know it was like this oh yeah I, I know a little bit about them you know and so right. as a result my <laughs> like yeah the, the following's just intensified over Life, and then when the internet and, and access and everything hit in the '90s, and now I can just like you know immerse myself in info about both teams all the time. It's just you know there's no turning back.
0: Yeah. But and had I they met,
3: had they both been good at the same time, that might have been a different issue. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I think what's what's great uh, too, and I'd love you to talk a little bit more about it. It sounds like your roots in the the blues are with your dad. Um, and also the teams, the Isles and the and the Blues have a, a and and the Blues are of course a, a, a good franchise, a classic franchise, um, and they have that that connection. They have the Al Arbor yeah. um, connection, which is huge. But but you 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 talk about a, a little bit on in your bio about your dad and stuff like that. Was that the the driving force behind the Blues?
3: yeah absolutely um you know the the blues were, were what i was surrounded with but like my first memories were uh you know coming into the living room uh while he you know and i was using his cane as a little hockey stick hitting a tennis ball around while he was watching the islanders in the stanley cup final so like those are my first hockey impressions even even before i ever saw the blues on tv or anything like that and um he was a big fan of Al Arbor, who was captain of the Blues and then who was coach for a while, but the Blues fired Scotty Bowman. They fired Al Arbor. They <laughs> later <laughs> fired, fired Joe Quenville. You know, every good yeah. coach goes somewhere else. And, and so he kind of, I think he saw something and started telling me stories about Arbor as a Blue and about when he, you know, how he got kind of hosed here and um, when he, you know, how he had built, The Islanders from nothing, along with Bill Torrey. So it's just kind of, it stuck. And then, of course, at the time, I mean, this is at the beginning of the dynasty and then in the middle of the run, and I'm just sort of assuming, like, okay, you know, this is the awesome team with Al Arbor that is in the Stanley Cup finals every year. So that's good, (laughs) you know. So it's a rude awakening later in the 80s when I, I realized that wasn't just automatic. But, yeah, I mean, it was very much tied up in the whole, you know, dad grooming you into sports scenario.
0: I think I mean I think that's I think that's fantastic. I don't know of, and I know a lot of people, and I don't know if anybody has a better, legitimate bi fanhood. <laughs> you know, like if you're gonna be yeah. bi fan, that's a pretty good one. That's pretty solid.
2: <laughs> I, I've had to um,
3: defend it a lot, so. <laughs>
2: oh, I bet, I and bet. I think I think like you said, Dominic, it works out great in hockey, because they don't they don't really see each other that much no. in 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 football. Yeah. They play each other often in basketball. They play each other all the time. In baseball now, with interleague, they see each other. But in hockey, it, they really are kept pretty separate. Yeah, where you could, where you could pull it off.
3: Yeah, it's I worked think... so far, and it's it's funny. I, I like on my own hockey team. I'm starting to create these you know people who are also suddenly interested in the Islanders a little bit too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Bring them on. Yeah, that's it. we yeah, we, we have plenty of room. Plenty of room. <laughs> right. um, how did you? make the decision then to do the Islander blog and not a blues blog? Uh,
3: I, you know, part of it was I, I knew the guys who were doing, um, who had done like a, a print game night program uh, for the blues for okay. a long time. And I was like, this is great stuff. And I sort of, um, I was hoping that they would come on board and represent the, or cover the blues for SB Nation. So, that, I mean, that was a part of default when I was like, there's already a blues site that I really like. I kind of want to create the Islanders site that I would uh, that I would go to and read and participate in. So, um and also being, you know, at a distance and not getting to to see the games in person nearly as often, uh this is right. just a great way for me to, you know, really stay connected with it.
0: So now have you been able to see and obviously the Islanders are moving next year to the Barclays Center, which when I've been asked uh by other people how is it for hockey? I say, well, it's not great, but it sure beats Kansas City or Quebec.
2: Yeah, but exactly. Kansas City wouldn't wouldn't have been so bad for Dominic, right? No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that would have been very strange. And, yeah. and then the teams would have been rivals, too, and
0: that would have been a nightmare. Oh, that would have been a nightmare. Yeah. yeah it have, was, you, <laughs> have you been able to, over the years, get to the Nassau Coliseum? Um, and obviously you haven't had a ton of opportunities to see a playoff game there, unfortunately, in the past 20 years. Right. Uh um, but have you have you ever been able to go to a playoff game there?
3: No, no, I haven't been to a playoff game. Uh yeah, and if this year, you know, I might have to change that <laughs> if at all yeah. possible. Yeah, I try to make the pilgrimage once a year at least, and uh yeah, it's it I, I you know, I tell people it's like right now it's about the same amount of time for me to fly to New York and get to the Coliseum as it would be to drive to KC. But the move to Brooklyn, you know, even cuts that a little bit. Yeah. For me. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, well I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. If they do make the playoffs and if they uh and you know, one of those games you gotta you gotta get there. You gotta yeah. get there. It's it is Cal and I have talked about this and waxed rhapsodic about it many times, but um and we were at the, the Penguins game, um a couple of years ago, my brother, the fantastic Islander fan, surprised me with tickets for my birthday, and nice. um, yeah, it was it was uh, the three of us went, and it was just it, it was uh, it was incredible. And actually, what was it? Cal, was it twenty years since we had gone to the last playoff game together?
2: Yeah, back in '93 when they uh, they played Pittsburgh against the Penguins as well. <laughs> um, there's no,
0: there's no nothing sports event wise like it. Nothing. I yeah. mean, I've I've been to playoff baseball games. I've been to playoff NFL games. Uh, again, I've, as I've been to
2: I've been to World Series games. And yeah. it's 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 indescribable. Yeah,
0: it it really is, and it and a lot of it, Dominic, is that place. A lot of yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Is just you know the uh, the fact that you're right on top of the ice. The fact that you know it's it's this was like this with Shea Stadium. It's it was it, it was a dump, but it was our dump. Yeah, you know, and uh, that was the, there was a great article the other day uh, on uh, Fort Never Lose, and, um right it was was it Losing Fort Never Lose? I think was the title of I think it was on SB Nation, wasn't it?
3: I um it it was on I think it was on Medium, but it was yeah. Oh, it was on
0: Medium. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, great, great read, and so spot on. I mean, really spot on for what that place is. Um, I'm I, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it. I am. I'm. I'm ecstatic that Cal and I both are ecstatic that they're staying in New York, because there was a real danger of that not being the case. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'd rather go see them in Brook. Have to go to Brooklyn to see them than lose them to another city because I just couldn't handle that (laughs) emotionally.
2: But But you know uh, what? This um, this season really takes on a a a completely different vibe, with it being the last season at the Coliseum, and it looks like they're going to be good and. I mean we grew up there. We basically spent our youth teenage late teenage, early twenties, we were there constantly. So we could say we grew up at the Nassau Coliseum. So it holds a special place for us and now for it to be the last season there and they're gonna they're gonna have a lot of the of the old players there throughout the year and it just there's a feeling around Long Island and Islander fans right now that this is like a special type of year And I almost feel like, just based on some of the comments from the players, they get that, too.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it it, it feels like the ingredients for a special season are there. And, you know, these these commemorative nights are going to be when the team is actually, you know, hopefully doing well, as opposed to, you know, them being a distraction from from the team, you know, struggling through another November or something. So, yeah, it's... At it, a it, it, time is right or <laughs> just in time, yeah. I
0: guess. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dom, we're gonna we're gonna let you run. I'm gonna save that Al Arbor story for the next time we have you on. How's that okay. for a teaser? Yeah, um, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time tonight. Oh, I had one last question. I do have one last question, uh-huh. um, and it's and it's specifically related to the blog. And Cal and I are also sort of fascinated by this. This is sort of what a part of our show is how teams are covered and how uh, the media treats teams and, and whatnot and, you know, new social media and stuff. How have the Islanders, to me, it seemed very early on, the Islanders embraced the blogger and embraced um, social media and embraced new sports media. Have the Islanders been pretty good with you with Lighthouse?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they've been, you know, they, they had reached out to me uh probably early on, I think you know when they were doing the blog box thing i yeah I guess i must I must have applied for that early on, and they've but you know when I've visited they've they've offered if you know I wanted to do the press thing, although usually honestly when I'm there, I kind of want to experienced it as a fan, just you know right. because it's a rare opportunity for me to to just taste the Coliseum in that way and not have to sort of. You know, do formalities and, and and restrain myself and whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, they've always been progressive, and I think we've been a fair site too. So we haven't, you know, we have satires out there that sometimes mislead people, despite many warnings. But I mean, otherwise, I don't, you know, we're just a honestly, we're we're a site about you know people who love to enjoy the game no matter what's happening. So um, and they've, you know, with their progressiveness with social media and stuff, we've never had any issues.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's 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 something we always sort of check in, uh, in on when we have when we have uh, bloggers on and stuff like that because the team's embracing it and I felt like again we talked about you know like Moneyball with the Islanders like that's yeah. something that the Islanders needed to do like when you're exactly. a struggling you know small market franchise embrace stuff that's new embrace stuff that gives fans that ac- uh, that gives fans access and and uh, it seemed like they were very cooperative but it's great to hear that they were yeah. Uh, Dominic, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on uh, as the season unfolds. Maybe around the midway point, we can do a little uh, check-in and report card. And uh, I can tell you that Al Arbor story. You're gonna love it.
3: That'd be great. Yeah, can't wait. My pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's great. All
0: right. Keep up the good work. Thanks, pal.
3: Okay. Thanks.
0: Bye. So once again, that was Dominic Jansky from Lighthouse Hockey, Cal, uh, and man, boy, was that enjoyable. Yeah. uh, well, what's funny, he, he's a great guy. He clearly is a good guy. He clearly is, is, uh, is passionate about the Islanders. I said to uh, – I was texting with Scott and uh, laughing about the fact that we talked – he brought up everything we talk about like in the chat.
2: Right. Like it, it's it's, it's like he that, hacked into our conversation. Yeah, it's like apparent
0: that all Islander fans, especially and, ones that have followed this rebuild – and followed these young players now for five or six years and have watched a lot of hockey over the five or six years are all sort of thinking the same things. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing that, just to cap this interview, Cal, that I didn't, and I know I talked way too much, but that I didn't get to bring up, which was, yeah, it's only three games. We've been watching these core guys for five years. Like, it's it's not just three games. Like, we've been watching John Tavares and Kyle Poso and Josh Bailey and Franz Nielsen. And this young core, we've been watching for a long time. Yeah, they're only – and Travis Hamanick. And yeah, they're only 24 or 25. But they've been in the NHL five years. Right. I mean, that's one of the symptoms of a team that has been poor cash-wise and has had to rebuild is that, you know, Josh Bailey made his debut at 19. John Tavares has been in the NHL since he was 19 years old. Like we've we've been watching these kids play together for a while, and you can see the difference. You can see the difference that a guy like Johnny Boychuk makes, or a quality veteran like like you know uh, uh, Grabowski or Kuhlman, you know, or even like a guy like Cal Clutterbuck, who is now perfectly cast on that fourth line, where he was miscast last year on the second or third. Is a, is a tremendous player. Cal Clutterbuck is a valuable, useful player on that fourth line for this team. And you can see it. You can see the difference. I mean, Nicholas Letty's only 23,
2: but he's been in the NHL, what is this, his fourth year? Yeah, and he's won a Stanley Cup. And he's won a Stanley Cup. Like, they, that's what, they've brought guys in that know how to win. And I said this to you, they, all, all of the guys that have been here, the the core that you mentioned they know how to lose they've lost a lot yep and they're, they're and they're done with losing they're good we we got this we got the losing down we know how to lose <laughs> now we're going to win right and i think i i almost feel like you have to know how to lose to know how to win it sounds stupid but i think that i think that these are scars that they have that are you're seeing now they're taking this very seriously you know, yep. they they know what they need to do. And then it only helps to bring in a veteran guy like Halak to stabilize everything in goal and to bring in two top defensemen in Boychuk and Letty who have won Stanley Cups and know exactly what it takes to win and know how to handle the pressure of being good and, and being in a playoff race and bringing in Kuliman and Grabowski who have played together for years. They – they've taken the core that has grown together for five or six years and now they've added, not only have they added pieces, they've added the right pieces. Yep. You know, he, he, he has, he has selectively picked the right pieces to add to the core to create this team right now. And it's got a chance to do something really special this year and without getting ahead of ourselves, first three games, they look good. Yeah, it seems so.
0: It, it really does seem that, that it's not just about finding guys or talent. It's about finding the right guys. And very early on, it seems like he has. It, well, seems, it, like they, it seems like they have.
2: For too many years, he was just you know throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what would stick. And, and you know, the, the risk-reward guys they were bringing in and, and guys that did, nobody else wanted, those were the guys that they could get.
0: Also known as Sandy Alderson syndrome
2: sure now they're bringing in guys that right. that are legitimate <laughs> NHL guys and the byproduct of that is that that plus the move to Brooklyn plus being a good team now you're going to be able to get even better talent that's to right kind of cast an eye towards the islanders and say maybe that's a destination I want to be yep
0: totally totally agree great stuff from dominic Jansky from lighthousehockey.com um if you're an Islander fan, uh, go check out that website. It's it's the place to be. Uh the commenters are great. It can get a little rough in there with the commenters. You got to stay on target. Uh but it is a, it is a great site um for Islander for everything Islanders. And so we thank him a ton for having uh, for coming on with us and also um apologize for keeping him on uh so long, but we were just enjoying the conversation so much. All right. Um before we go to the fun load because we're doing one, you're coming with Cal. Cal. All right. Well, you're coming with.
2: I, I was gonna bail, but <laughs> bail. What, what what is this?
0: I'm ba- <laughs> what do <are> we mean <laughs> is-
2: eighth period? I was gonna ditch.
0: Dude, I gotta bail. Later for you, Luke. Um, I I need to say one thing about the Jets and one thing about the Giants, if I may.
2: <sighs> really? Yeah. We just had a nice conversation about. Positive sports in New York and
0: I this is positive. All right. This is positive. You don't know you don't know me.
2: No, I have no idea who you are.
0: How are you doing, Marvin? Um on the Jets. Uh, a lot went on again today with the beat reporters and all the nonsense and stuff and Manesh Mehta writing a, a just a gag story or something with John Itzik and everything. Uh Joe Caparoso, who we had on a couple of weeks ago from TurnOnTheJets.com, wrote um, a fantastic, in my opinion, measured, rational, albeit favoring management, yes, but admittedly so, State of the Jets post on TurnOnTheJets.com. And here's why this is a positive. You want to know why? Yes. Because the guy who gets paid to write about the Jets and who has full access to the team spent today writing a gag, look at me, trying to be funny and not being funny article for the Daily News about an imagined conversation between John Itzik and Rex Ryan, in which he just basically just bashed both men as idiots. And the guy who started a blog because of his passion for a team, who gets no money and has no access to the Jets, or formal access to the Jets. Uh, today wrote the definitive piece on where they are and where they stand in the state of the team. The definitive, uh, definitive, please mind you, opinion piece. It's not fact. It's opinion. It's grounded in tons of facts. But the definitive opinion piece on where the Jets are as a team. Measured, rational, and guess where it came from? That's right. A sports blogger. New sports media. So... Keep it up, beat reporters. Keep it up. Not gonna be around much longer. And I understand that that's what you need. You feel like you need to do to sell papers, and you're probably right. Because guess what? There's material out there like what Joe wrote today. It's gonna make you obsolete. Okay, sorry. Wanted to get that out of the way. Giants. Uh, this is a huge game this weekend, Cal. Huge. Coming off a whitewashing against the the Eagles and all the talk leading up to that game. I mean, if they, if the Giants were the Jets, could you imagine, you know, Jason Pierre Paul saying they should be 0-4, the Eagles should be 0-4 and the Eagles making a video about how, I mean, could you imagine how classless the Jets would be? Anyway, bottom line is they didn't show up for that game. They lost Victor Cruz to a terrible injury, which is awful because you never root for injuries for guys by any means. And um, and Victor Cruz, by all accounts, is a great guy as well off the field. It's a terrible break for them. How do you see this game, Cal, against a surprising Dallas team? Is this a, Is this a season-turning game? Or if they go and get destroyed by Dallas back-to-back
2: weeks within the division... Oof, are we
0: going to be back to the questions about Eli and questions
2: about Tom? Well, I think it depends on, on how the game goes. If they get blown out of the water again like they did against Philly, the questions will be fair. If it's a competitive game and Dallas outplays them, I think the Giants still have a season ahead of them. They've got a very tough schedule coming up. Yeah. So they're going to have to weather that. I think they need this game. It's it's really important for them I agree. to win this game. And I, and I still... we. We don't know Dallas is five and one, but what kind of five and one are they we they're we a weird mean, they're a weird five and one. I don't really know too much about them
0: because they have a in a, a fantastic like stamped trademark win last week in Seattle where they went at Richard Sherman, which is pretty fun to watch
2: And this would typically be the spot for a letdown, yeah, after yeah. that game, but then they got the Giants coming in, so there's no chance of a letdown. yeah.
0: You know, then they have like wins over the Rams, wins over, like they're a weird team. Right. My brother-in-law, uh, who is the measuring stick for all things Cowboys, texted me after the Seattle game, and he never curses, by the way. Uh, we're for effing real. I got myself a team.
2: Because he's a, now, though, keep in mind, he's a Cowboys fan. So he's had some success. He's had some success. And monster. he's a
0: very he's a very measured uh what I consider uh actually pessimistic cowboy fan. Those usually uh, usually cowboy fans tend to be a little overly optimistic about their chances. He's very measured. So, he's been watching every game. If he says they're for real, maybe they're for real. Of course, they've done this a few times. <laughs> All right. Uh let's end this program this part of the program and do uh, do the other pro- part of the program. What do you think? How do you like that? How do you, how do you, what do you think of that? Okay, that's going to conclude RTU number 198. We'd like to once again thank Dominic Jansky from LighthouseHockey.com. Uh, for coming on and talking Islanders and everything with us, uh, just great stuff. Uh, go to lighthousehockey.com. I started sounding Canadian there. Did you notice that? No. Lighthouse no. hockey.
2: You're not Canadian, so. Well, then maybe you should do this promo. Uh, I'm not doing the promo. Go I'm on. just telling you. I'm just telling you you didn't sound Canadian. Go on,
0: Frenchie. Go on. Come on. <laughs> go on, Gee Calvi. Gord, Gordy
1: Calvi.
0: <laughs> Can we please change your name to Gordy Calvi when we talk hockey, just for tonight? When we just when we have like like Dominic on or something like that. Yeah,
1: of
0: course. Gord Calvi.
1: <laughs>
0: Gord Calvi probably wore what, like number forty-three?
2: Um. Or single
0: Single-digit defenseman. <laughs> You know who wore, seven? Who, wore who had, seven? who had the greatest hockey name of all time? American version. Scotty Lachan. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Scotty Lachan. Uh Okay, we're going to be back in a couple of seconds uh, with the fun mode, but please download the podcast. Go to rtusports.com for the podcast. This episode will be up tomorrow morning, so check it out. And um, thanks for listening. And uh, the fun load that we're about to do uh, will be available Monday when Bishop Big Donuts says so. Okay, once again, thanks to Dominic McJansky. And go to www.rtusports.com.